Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy for Life podcast where we will be discussing maintainable, sustainable, conscious living. I'm your host, Sarah Grace. Thanks for joining me. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of Healthy for Life. I hope you guys are all having a great week so far. Oh boy, I don't know. We're, we are in like week three, week four of this quarantine. I can't keep track anymore. It's literally like Groundhog Day every day. <laughs> and it's like my husband and I will get in bed at night and we'll just be like, well, there's the end of that day. And tomorrow we're going to get up and do the same thing again. It's been tough, but I feel like we're kind of starting to get into a routine. We have been probably over the last week or more, and we've settled into this, and you just kind of learn to find the good and what you have in front of you. I will say that the more digging I do and the more reading I do and learning, because I can't stop doing that, it's in my genes, <laughs> I, get a, I get frustrated, and it probably makes me a bit more antsy because... I'm like, all right, there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of coercion going on. There's a lot of things that are unnecessary. There's a lot of fear-based information. The numbers aren't adding up and it makes it frustrating to be sitting at home during that time and in spite of these things. So today I actually want to bring on um, a friend of mine, Maya, and have her share some of her feelings and her tips through this time with you all and and hopefully just have a cool, positive conversation with her and just to kind of share, you know, our thoughts on the current situation. So let's get Maya on here to talk to you all. The more digging I do and the more reading I do and learning because I can't stop doing that. It's in my genes. <laughs> I get a, I get frustrated and it probably makes me a bit more antsy because I'm like, all right, there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of coercion going on. There's a lot of things that are unnecessary. There's a lot of fear-based information. The numbers aren't adding up and it makes it frustrating to be sitting at home during that time and in spite of these things. So um, the more digging I do and the more reading I do and learning because I can't stop doing that, it's in my genes. <laughs> I, get a, I get frustrated and it probably makes me a bit more antsy because I'm like, all right, there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of coercion going on. There's a lot of things that are unnecessary. There's a lot of fear-based information. The numbers aren't adding up and it makes it frustrating to be sitting at home during that time and in spite of these things. So today I actually want to bring on um, a friend of mine, Maya, and have her share some of her feelings and her tips through this time with you all and, and hopefully just have a cool, positive conversation with her and just to kind of share, you know, our thoughts on the current situation. So let's get Maya on here to talk to you all. Hey, Maya, thanks for joining me today. Um, how are you doing? And tell, um, yeah, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing fabulous. I can't say I'm doing perfect 1000% of the time because what's going on, but I would say I have been doing really well, actually. That's great. Um, so tell our listeners 
where you're from, what part of the, um, the U.S. are you in, and a little bit about yourself. So I am in Utah, and I'm in northern Utah, so just north of Salt Lake City. And we've been here about eight years now. I grew up in Southern California, but um, it's beautiful here. And what I do now is I have transitioned from special ed, teaching that for seven years, to now being a health coach and um, supporting moms in a private group I have, having one-on-one clients, and then kind of currently actually creating something to kind of help at this time since we're all at home more. So what I'm doing is quite different than what I used to do, but it's just, it's teaching just in a new realm. And that all, that pivot actually happened because you know, but I know your audience doesn't know that uh, my mom got breast cancer and that just kind of, it was a big wake up call for me. So that started a pivot and I've, I followed that heart tug that I had to follow this journey and this path. And it's been amazing. A bittersweet blessing as, as I call it. That's awesome. And right. So, uh, remind me then how long ago it was that your mom passed with breast cancer. And that's like you said, that's kind of when you started this sort of change in your life and really took you into this place of really wanting to help others and educate others. Right. Yeah. So my mom got diagnosed in 2015 and then passed just nine months later in February, 2016. And, um, when she got diagnosed, actually the pivotal moment is when I remember being on the phone with her and her telling me she didn't want to do anything. She was choosing heaven and some people do that, but it was outside the norm for sure. And my response, I believe was a divine idea because I was like, well, what about natural stuff? And that was not in my vocabulary. And so that for me, looking back now was a divine pivotal moment to where it was and where I am now. And that's awesome. That's sometimes it's, and I've experienced it in my own life with losing my mom, but sometimes good comes from painful situations that can even be some of the worst situations in your life, but there is good that comes from it. And clearly that's what you're doing. You're turning something negative into a positive and carrying on your mom's legacy to do good in the world and to create change. And that's really, you know, why I wanted to bring you on today, because I feel like we're just surrounded by so much negativity, especially right now, and a lot of fear-based information. And Mm -hmm. people are reading headlines, and they're getting their information from headlines, but they're not actually looking at the big picture or even diving deeper into what's behind a lot of these headlines. And so it's kind of just recycling this negative fear-based information. And so I was like, all right, I need to have a positive conversation (laughs) with somebody who's, you know, living, living above all of that, I guess. So that's why I wanted you to join me today and, and just share some of your own thoughts and your experience with our listeners. I, I love that you're open to having this conversation because it is, it is very easy to fall victim to what we are being told. And there's always, there's always a, a purpose. There's always a reason. Something doesn't just happen for no reason at all. 
And so there's a something that happens before and then there's a result. And so it's interesting that when the fall came last year, I just I felt this shift in my spirit for some reason towards 2020. It felt a little uneasy, but I didn't know what it was. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm really looking forward to 2020 and just kind of left it at that. And so when this stuff started surfacing around the virus and all that kind of stuff, I, I sense like, okay, (laughs) I was being prepared and I, I believe in God. So I'm a faith girl and really felt peace already among what was being told to us through our television, through articles, through social media. And um, those are a lot of the sources we get our input from. So we do have to be mindful of what types of uh, sources we're going to because you can sense. And I really feel like this is a perfect time for us to get back to listening to our own guts, our own heart and tuning in with our own intuition and discernment because there is a lot of stuff circling around this and it is very multi-layered from since, I mean, I def, I'm a digger now since my pivot, I have dug and it's not that I'm trying to shout from the mountaintops, like what people are doing wrong or anything, but I'm using it as information to allow myself to experience the peace of knowing more about the situation. Mm -hmm. And so it really does bring a sense of freedom. And it really is a way to just better pray, more specifically pray about what's going on, and then be able to provide hope around that. I know, (laughs) I know that there's a lot of stuff coming to surface now that kind of is uncomfortable that surrounds this whole situation. But because I've already been doing some of this learning under the surface level, me seeing it come to light is just more of an exciting time for me. And that might be hard to understand, but it's really the years I've put in since my mom's diagnosis of realizing how things function and how they are tied together and why they are um, sending certain messages and why they have certain protocols, and why systems do things a certain way. And it's generally comes down to disempowering people. And so... Or money. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's what they want. But they want people to feel like there's, they have the answers, that there is no hope for them. Like we don't have the control and the power to really stand in our own power and understand that we have choices That's what our freedom does and is at the foundational level. But yeah, these systems kind of create this narrative because people in fear will make decisions, but often they're not the decisions that are in that person's best interest because it's just a fear-based decision versus a conscious or intuitive decision. So yeah. Yeah, That is really well put because... It's true. Uh, You know, just like you said, oftentimes when you're put in a position of fear is what's driving you, you wouldn't maybe make as an informed decision as otherwise. And Mm -hmm. that is for sure, you know, what's taking place here a lot. And I think uh, 
you know, I hope what comes from this is that people really want to take control of their health mm-hmm. and, and realize that they uh, have the power, you know, take back power and control of their health and of decisions that they want to make, how they want to choose to live moving forward, how they, you know, want to educate themselves, because there's just been a lot of information coming out about how the numbers, even in regards to um, the death rate in the U.S., how they've been completely overinflated. Mm-hmm. And that alone has to make people kind of question, you know, like, wow, if we're being lied to about this, what else are we being lied to about potentially, you know, and mm-hmm. some of the kickbacks that we're hearing hospitals are getting for putting people on ventilators when new research is kind of showing that ventilators might not be the best way to treat uh, this type of virus. So there's just different things like that. I feel like that I hope really awakens people to to begin to question that you have to do research, that you have to make your own informed decisions. That's really Mm -hmm. one of the things that I really hope comes from all of this. And honestly, I, I cannot emphasize enough that you have to look at resources and information that oppose your current beliefs that go against what your opinion might be of the situation, because that is the only way you are going to see a greater picture and really start to be able to discern what you believe to be true. Because going to the same type of sources that are just feeding the same type of message is not truly making an informed decision, in my opinion. I shared an article on social media, Dr. Deborah Burks. I had to look her name up real quick. She's a coordinator for the White House. And she went out and stated that numbers are not accurate because of how they're counting deaths. And they're counting people with pre-existing conditions. And you and I know that there's a lot of pre-existing conditions in our country today because we have a lot of individuals who are not the healthiest and they're not counting the death toll numbers as the person. The more digging I do and the more reading I do and learning because I can't stop doing that. It's in my genes. (laughs) I get, I get frustrated and it probably makes me a bit more antsy because I'm like, all right, there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of coercion going on. There's a lot of things that are unnecessary. There's a lot of fear-based information. The numbers aren't adding up and it makes it frustrating to be sitting at home during that time and in spite of these things. So today I actually want to bring on um, a friend of mine, Maya, and have her share some of her feelings and her tips through this time with you all and, and hopefully just have a cool, positive conversation with her and just to kind of share, you know, our thoughts on the current situation. So let's get Maya on here to talk to you all. Passing from that, instead, it's if they got the virus or New York just released that they are suspecting people who have passed may have had it. And so it inflated their numbers 3,700 times, like count Mm -hmm. 3,700. And so assumptions are being made now and that's being said out there. But if you're not open to reading that or accepting that, questioning it, and I talk about that too, is 
as kids, we're curious creatures. Kids are so curious. But then as we become adults, we lose that. We stop asking why. So we stop wondering and exploring and becoming adventurous and um, asking questions. And that is really what we need to be doing as adults so that we can better make informed decisions and know what is going on and what's good for us. That's so true, really. What is it like over in Utah then right now? How do you feel like the, um, what's the pulse like there? So we have not officially locked down, but we do have um, orders to where we can't go to parks. Uh, Gyms are currently closed. Um, Stores are open. So non-essential businesses, restaurants are still open, but there's still some people going to work. Um, And when I go to the grocery store, honestly, I feel like there's more cars out than I would expect. (laughs) So there isn't this, it is a little weird feeling. I sense this kind of cloud when I go out, this somber feeling, but we're not being forced to do anything. It's a recommendation. And so a lot of people are abiding by it. Like my husband's at home, his work sent him all home last month. Kids are out of school till the end of the year. But I mean, for the most part, we're still able to get out and about if need be. We just can't gather or go to parks. Um, So we take walks (laughs) just around the neighborhood. Similar, (laughs) Right. It's similar to here, but maybe not as quite as strict. In fact, here in Florida, we had a curfew that went into place. And then about 48 hours later, it was removed because there was an attorney who filed a lawsuit against the county, I guess, saying, um, you know, this isn't constitutional. And I don't know, he put together a good case and they dropped the curfew. So uh, that was kind of encouraging. I know in some states they're getting together and trying to organize some sort of rally, you know, in your car type thing with signs. I know Michigan, I think it was, did it. Mm -hmm. Texas was doing it, I think. And then uh, there's been some other states, I think Virginia, they've been in talks of doing it just to let, you know, states go back to work and kind of life to go back. Because when we look at the numbers, you know, the numbers aren't really supporting this type of uh, thing in place because they're not even as bad as the flu. So Mm -hmm. it then becomes very frustrating. I think people are starting to catch on and they're saying, okay, why am I still out of work? And potentially, you know, the economy is going to crash over something that isn't even as bad as the flu. So I think people are starting to get pretty upset about that. Mm -hmm. And that's good because I feel like that's what needs to happen because we, the people are greater than those who (laughs) are telling us what to do. And so it's time to really use our voice. So what do you find uh, you've been able, because you have two, two daughters, right? Mm -hmm. Eight and almost four. Okay. Eight and almost four. What are you, are you homeschooling then the oldest one? And the youngest, actually, she was in preschool, but she she went two times a week. So we're doing about 45 minutes every day to kind of space it out. <laughs> the oldest has school pretty much all day, the way I kind of spanned it out, did a schedule for her. So uh, it's kind of nice because it allows me to kind of use what I used to do, which is teaching special ed and 
I still have some tools and it kind of allows me to step into that role a little bit. And just, um, she starts at eight 30 and then ends at three. Well, two technically. Wow. So yeah, you keep her busy then. And so you don't mind it. It's, it's probably kind of like pretty easy for you to jump into that role because of your background. Well, I don't want to say it was easy, but it's more simple because I do have supplies and I've kind of got an understanding of, um, expectation of just how, uh, the schedule should look too. So, I mean, I've embedded PE back into our schedule. I've embedded, uh, technology and reading time and things that have kind of slowly been taken out of schooling as well. So she does all her core subjects and then has these added times too. And yeah, so it's kind of an all encompassing school day. (laughs) That's great. That's really cool that you're organizing it like that. What do you find is your biggest challenge then right now? We, my biggest challenge, I, at first, so the first two weeks was rough. I was used to having me time because she was at school and my husband was at work. And then my preschooler went twice a week and I don't have me time anymore. (laughs) Everybody's here. (laughs) Right. So that was rough at first until we finally, because that first week we did nothing and they they were technically still in school, but I was just like, I don't, we're just, we're just going with it. And then the next week was technically their spring break. So then we did nothing. (laughs) So it wasn't until the third week where I was like, okay, we got to get on a schedule. Let's get organized because I also have, I mean, I work from home and so I have my own stuff I need to do. Right. So the schedule has definitely helped and just being consistent with it. My husband getting on board with it, both of the girls having it visually and constantly reminded this is what's happening so that um, we have a routine because it's very easy to not have one when we're all at home. (laughs) Exactly. I feel like that's honestly the best thing you can do is try to find a routine in the midst of this. And that's what I've been telling people too, is like, if you worked out in the morning before, still try to work out in the morning. Now, if you, Mm -hmm. you know, ate a certain way, still try to eat a certain way, because if you don't, you can easily fall into just anything goes getting lazy, gaining weight, not being healthy, then becomes depression, you know? So I think like finding that kind of normalcy in the midst of all this is really, really important to, to being able to get through it and stay sane, you know? Mm -hmm. And I mean, I said my oldest school day is like, we start our, all of our days start at eight 30 except for my preschooler because I, she gets like an, a little bit of free play and then the two of them do PE together. And then I start with my preschooler and my older one goes and does math. But in the middle of that school day is an hour and a half for lunch because we enjoy time as a family. We get outside, we go on a walk and we talk because that stuff's important to not worry about getting all the to-dos done, but also scheduling in time to just be together and enjoy each other. Yeah, that's really cool. Has has it made you think about possibly homeschooling after this is all, all over, like saying, man, I could do this? <laughs> well, you know what? I have 
thought actually because when we first started school I was like no way I want that role separation and then last year I felt like God was trying to soften my heart to it now I understand why but through this I've been learning so much more about 5G and I do know that there Mm. (laughs) there is a plan to put it in schools and because parents have been protesting since that elementary school in California had four kids diagnosed with cancer with a tower right next door to their school. Parents have not been for 5G. And if it gets put into our school, I told my husband, I don't want her around that. I will probably homeschool her. <laughs> so that would be what pushes it over because mm. I've always said if she's in harm's way and that would be the reason I homeschool her. And I always assumed that was because of other kids. But it applies to the environment itself. I mean, 5G is not good for our health. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to do some more podcasts and getting, uh, there was a particular doctor that I wanted to get on and I'm still crossing my fingers that maybe I can, but talk more about 5G and the effects of it. I think that's something that we definitely need to create more awareness on Mm -hmm. and really dive deeper into all that. Yeah. Yeah. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has a campaign going right now. So if anybody is interested, you can go over there and join the campaign and sort of do our own little protest standing up against uh, wanting to get it rolled out nationwide. So because our kids are our most vulnerable popular, I mean, our elderly, yes, but our kids are our future and they are so vulnerable. Exactly, They're still developing really sad to know that this is still wanting to be rolled out despite what has been seen as far as the effects of it. But it's just, it's time to speak up. We gotta, we gotta rise up and use our voice because it matters. You may just be one person, but one, one person becomes another person and all those people add up to be a a huge group, a collective voice. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel like you're dealing with uh, snacking and food during this time? Because that's a big thing that I've kind of seen from a lot of moms and uh, parents is, you know, the constant desire of their kids to want to snack and eat throughout the day, probably because of boredom. I'm sure for you, if you're kind of maintaining some sort of schedule, that's helping. But have you struggled with that at all with your kids? Oh, yeah. They're always asking for food. I get a snack because I haven't eaten something. They're like, I'm hungry. Oh, no, you're not. (laughs) It's just like a trigger. And so I created a little three-column chart, and it's called Snack Options. And this may not work for some parents because if they don't have a child who reads, then it may not be helpful. But you could always do pictures and look up PECS, the Picture Exchange Communication System. You could find some free downloads of their images, I'm sure. I use that in the classroom. And just have option, you could do Velcro and then Velcro the snack picture to just a eight and a half by 11 and put those up as the snack options for the day and just change it. And then they know they can have those as an option and then they're not constantly asking for it. But within the school day, I also have two snack, two snack times embedded. So I have a snack options chart. You have to pick one veggie or fruit, and then they can pick one thing from the pantry. (laughs) And my oldest will read off what we have to my youngest. 
And most of the time she gets it herself. And I may or may not need to help the little one, depending on if my oldest can help her or not. So it saves energy on my end. And I don't feel like I'm constantly saying the same thing over and over again. Oh, and timers have been huge. I think that is such a good idea. Yeah, and timers. what, timers? Mm Mm-hmm. So if they're doing something, I set the timer and say, when the timer goes off, it's snack time. Oh. So the timer lets them know when it's snack time. That is so funny. You know, I always say, too, is that snacks are fine as long as they don't replace meals. And so, like, with my daughter... She's a really good eater. She eats very well-balanced meals. So I'm like, because of that, you know, if she has one snack in between breakfast and lunch and one in between lunch and dinner, I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't replace the meal. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I don't have like junk snacks in the house, but, um, yeah, I think for a lot of people, their kids really get into a habit and it's probably from boredom, especially right now with wanting mm-hmm. to snack too much. So I like your idea there of the timer and the images, you know, this is your, these are your options and there's no if, ands or buts about it. Like this is what's on the menu for today. <laughs> Make yeah. your pick. So that's yep. a good idea. It's allowing them to still have ownership and choice, but you're providing the choices. <laughs> so you're still in control. and still allowing them to exercise some independence. Do you have any recipes that have made or that you like kind of a go-to thing right now that is quick and easy? What's your like go-to dinner for your family? Ooh, it's kind of been, hmm, we don't really have a go-to because I I don't want my family to get tired of any one thing. But if anybody has a blender, a Vitamix or Blendtec, we have done smoothie bowls as dinners and you just freeze a bunch of bananas, throw in a splash of like berries or a, a mixture bag from Costco. And then you could sprinkle on your own stuff and you just, I throw a splash in of, wa- of water in. So it's bananas, the fruit and a splash of water. That's literally what it is. And then throw on either granola or seeds or cut up fruit or dark chocolate chips. Um, And the kids love it because they get to put on the dark chocolate chips. And I don't ever say it's dark chocolate. I just say, oh, here's some chocolate chips. And so language is important too, (laughs) because um, Mm -hmm. that can, the mind is a tricky thing. And so you got to be careful of what you, (laughs) (laughs) you you put out there. Cause yeah, the, the kids will easily resist if they think a word sounds funny or different. Right. And I think too, just all in how you, yeah, like all in how you talk about it, because like with my daughter, we'll be like, Ooh, do you want to have some berries for dessert? And like now she's like blueberries. (laughs) She gets like so excited about blueberries and raspberries. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like she's not even thinking about cookies because we're just like, Oh, these are amazing. And like, you know, she just, she enjoys good flavors. She enjoys whole foods. And mm-hmm. I think because the first thing I didn't introduce her to, you know, I didn't introduce her to high sugary foods at first. Mm-hmm. And even now I watch, you know, how much added sugar she's consuming. So fruit to her is like, wow, this is awesome. You know, not that we don't ever have like cookies or a popsicle or something. I mean, I, 
I make sure that they're healthy ones, but, uh, she's satisfied most times with berries for dessert. So I think, yeah, I think it's all in how you put it to them really, because if you're like, Oh, I wouldn't want berries for dessert, you know, then they probably (laughs) wouldn't either. (laughs) Yeah. That's very true. I mean, kids, they are, like I said, they're curious, they explore, they're adventurous, but if their environment is kind of sending out this message of this isn't good, or I don't enjoy that, then it subconsciously tells them and gets into their mind that, oh, I don't really like that either, even though they may have never tried it. Exactly. So do you have any kind of last words or last pieces of advice for people to kind of stay positive? Anything maybe that's working for you right now, whether it be like meditation or exercise, or are there any kind of tips you could give people that way? So something that has been a couple things have has been wonderful for me is communicating with my husband that I need to have devotion time in the morning, that I notice a difference in how I am the rest of the day if I do not spend time alone by myself in prayer and meditation in the morning. And meditation can mean a lot of different things for people. So for me, it's really a devotional. But that means that he will get breakfast ready for the girls in the morning. And I go downstairs to another part of the house and I just spend time just me and God, just me and talking out loud. So that really has fueled me from the get go. But then during the day, being conscious of and this might seem obvious, but water, consuming enough water during the day. And you may want to set a timer every hour. So divide like your day into a 12-hour day. And however much you weigh, half your body weight into ounces and divide it up by 12. So that set an alarm on your phone if you're not a good water drinker. But your your body runs off of water. <laughs> I mean, he's we are water. And so you've got to hydrate yourself because once you start to get dehydrated, then that's when you start to feel really snacky for junky stuff. You start to get tired or irritable. So those two things have been really big. And so those have allowed me to stay consistent in wanting to eat better and wanting to move. I am doing, I'm following a Instagram page that's doing like free hip hop classes on their Instagram. They'll go live and do a, a class and they do a variety of classes. I'm interested in the hip hop ones. <laughs> so uh, just doing things outside the norm, but making it fun. Just have fun, laugh, yeah. be silly, goofy. But yeah, start your day off the way you need to, however that might look and communicate that. And then making sure you're getting your water in for sure are two necessities. What's the Instagram, the, the one with the hip hop? So it's called Millennium Dance SLC. I know they have one in LA, so it must be like a national dance group. I wonder if they have one over in Florida, but it's Millennium Dance. And then SLC is because they're in Salt Lake here. Oh, okay, cool. Man, you must have a lot of alarms going off in your house. You got the snack alarm, (laughs) the water alarm. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Well, for water, I don't have to set an alarm for water anymore. But I'm just saying if somebody's not a good water drinker, that might help 
just set it on your phone. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I drink a lot of, (laughs) I drink one to two smoothies a day and I use water as a base. So it's a really easy way to get water in. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me today and offering your input. I really appreciate it. Um, Tell everyone where they can follow you on uh, social media. So I am on Instagram uh, with the handle at baby steps for big results. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn just under Maya Metzel. And then my website is babystepswithmaya.com. And yeah, if any of you guys are on Instagram, DM me. I would love to connect and chat and just say hello and tell me where you came from and that you heard this. It would be awesome. And it's Maya, M-Y-A, right? Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. I've gotten lots of misspellings over the years. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, Okay, awesome. Well, thanks again. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, I will be seeing you and hearing from you, I guess, on social media and and whatnot. But thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a beautiful day. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I hope that you got some helpful tips. I hope that you are continuing to search for truth and stay positive during this time to stay healthy. You can catch some of my previous podcasts on things that you can do to keep your immune system strong, as well as ways that you can stay in shape and healthy during this time and any time of the year. So make sure you check out some of those other podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe, rate my uh, podcasts, and feel free to share with a friend. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you all soon.